Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast, where we unpack the mindset, skills, and wisdom it takes to become an uncommon leader in a common world with your host, the Uncommon CEO himself, Andrew Smart. Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast. I'm here with Andrew Smart, our Uncommon CEO. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing great, Matt. Good to see you. Absolutely. Hope you had a great weekend. It was good. It was filled with watching football. Saw some of our old Tigers play. I like seeing a bunch of teams with Tigers on them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Even last night, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He ended up getting subbed in at offensive line. I think it was his fifth snap of the year starting a playoff game last night. Which game? Bengals. Bengals. About Jackson Carmen? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jackson Carmen. Yeah. yeah. He actually played in last year's Super Bowl. So, uh Good to see uh, a lot of Tigers play. Some mm-hmm. won, some didn't. Obviously, uh, oh, the big game, the big game, Saturday night. Yeah, that was Saturday night. Up <laughs> Jacksonville. I regretted staying up as late as I did for that one, but it was a uh, that's a fun one to watch. It was coming off of a great basketball game because I was at mm-hmm. the uh, Clemson Duke basketball. Game. Oh yeah, that's a winner. Yeah, there. Clemson's leading the ACC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was got exciting. It. Took the family down there. The kids had a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what a great way to uh, to beat Duke. I mean we. Uh, we were up for a good portion of the game. Um, you know, Duke got ahead. They were actually ahead by eight at one point. Um, got a little focus. First first half of the game, we struggled shooting from the boundaries, the outside. Uh, we just couldn't hit a thing. And then mm-hmm. the second half um, really came back. And P.J. Hall just, I mean, he was crushing it. So Yeah, they've turned it around the past few years. Like I want to say they've upset Duke. Two of the last four years, at least. Actually, I think I don't. Three of the last I four? think we were like two and eight against Duke. I think. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, this is the past. I mean, you know, compared it was, it was to eight. than the zero and ten against Duke. The, it, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So it was, it was a great win. Um, I I expect us to be ranked this week. I would think so. Undefeated conference record, pretty good overall. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, but I uh, hope uh, hope the rest of the weekend went well and. Um, you know, I don't know what your NFL team is. Uh, are they in? Well, Detroit Lions are my NFL team. They were They're not in then. on the cusp. Well, they were on the cusp. It took a Seattle overtime win to keep them out of the playoffs this year. So things are brighter ahead. We tuned in for Jacksonville. We wanted to see Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. That's kind of so where we've been. I mean, you got exciting one. That's our team we're rooting for now. Travis, I mean, uh, obviously Trevor and got an office lineman, you know, Tyler Shatley. Mm-hmm. So we got uh, got some good Clemson players on Jacksonville. So um, so we'll see how far they can go. But you got to like a you have to like a story where you know the the, the first quarter, you know, the quarterback throws four oh interceptions. Gosh. Yeah. And then he he is able to rally back and uh, to come back uh, to an incredible overtime win, and that's really the picture of the story. Uh, is the next day was told. I, I was telling that uh, um, uh, to my son uh, the following day that look, I mean, you look at the headlines of the story about how how Trevor overcame the obstacles, how it was a you know, you know obviously won by a field goal, but it was really about the overcoming of of what happened in the beginning oh, yeah. i candidly i was pretty frustrated we kind of shut it off and uh, uh julie turned it back on mm-hmm. but uh it didn't look good yeah four picks they were down 27 nothing in the weaning moments waning moments of the second quarter and then 
finally tacked up that late touchdown and then just took over in the second half. Just mental game. It is a mental game. And and here's the funny thing. Not many people, quarterbacks, people in general, can can overcome that kind of setback. Yeah. I mean, four interceptions uh, is a hard thing to overcome. That's got to be one of the worst quarters of playoff football ever played by a quarterback and to be able to bounce back that's pretty incredible because yeah usually you can shut down think it's sky's never going to clear and then then, he was lights out the second half he was he was and that that kind of leads into what i want to talk about uh today uh really i i came in with this with my mind focused on vision today Mm -hmm. and and to be able to overcome Four interceptions um, down by, what was it? 27. 27. It was 31-point turnaround in that game, I believe. You've got to be able to see something that others can't see. Mm -hmm. You, as a leader, because that's what you're looking at. On a a football team, your quarterback is what you consider. That's, That's the captain. That's the leader of the team. That person doesn't just have to have this ability to, to, overcome the challenges of the setbacks to to mentally overcome those issues they have to have that vision to be able to see that they can overcome it too and, mm-hmm. and and so when you see a trevor lawrence who through these interceptions immediately goes to the sidelines and he picks up the ipad and he starts working on on whatever he's doing on the ipad and communicating to whoever whomever he's communicating to but ultimately in his mind there's something playing out there mm-hmm I mean, he's he's not resting on what took place. He's not looking at, well, I just threw four interceptions. He's visualizing what he can do, what what he needs to make happen in order for them to win. And whatever he came up with in his mind, it worked. worked. Yeah. <laughs> so sure did. And he was able to he was able to inspire those around him to believe that they could. Because do you know how many teams would take four interceptions, that many points down, and just fold? Oh, yeah, most. Oh, we weren't meant to be here. We'll show up next year. You know, going down at the half like that, it's it's hard to rally back from just feeling like your back's against the wall the rest of the game. It is. But this is where you find true leaders. True leaders are found in the adversity of obstacles in front of them. I mean, when you face this surrounding number of points in front of you, when you've looked at, man, I have made this many mistakes, this is where you find true leadership. And leadership in vision and motivation, you know, that's where you inspire everybody around you. And so coming into uh, our time together here, Matt, I really was really honed into vision. Another thing that kind of led me to this, uh, this, this idea around vision was um, today we're celebrating um, a very special day mm-hmm. in, in our country, um, a, a, a day that, uh, that is, is a day that encompasses a unity of division that our country faced for so many years and a day that we celebrate a leader who helped bridge a gap for unity. Mm -hmm. And so today is Martin Luther King, you know, day. So we celebrate 
that day, but it's really about a celebration of of an inspiration. Mm -hmm. And an inspiration is based on someone who has a vision. Visionaries are people who inspire. Because, I mean, if, if, if you can't be inspired by something that you can't know where it's going. I mean, if you don't have this, this passion of vision, it's hard to inspire. Mm -hmm. so, so I was thinking a little bit about Martin Luther King. And, and, and for those who are listening to this podcast, I mean, you've you got to go back to 1963. And in 1963, we had a very divided country. It was, we had overcome a lot in our country. I mean, we had already moved past the Civil War. The Civil War, where you had a, a very inspiring president at that time, Abraham Lincoln, mm -hmm. who, who, who helped bridge the gap of slavery and division. I mean, there was never a time this country is more divided than the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And so... So we've gone, we had gone through a divisionary time of our country trying to move forward into what that looked like. But here's the funny part. You know, the, the Civil War ends in April 1865. But it, you fast forward 100 years later to 1863, we were still facing a lot of social division. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of emotional and you know mental and and things that were still rooted into a cultural issue within our country so there was still work to be done and and so here's where a leader like a Martin Luther King who was was a champion during that era that that became an icon of inspiration and vision. And so in, in, in 1963, in August of 1963, um, he gives the most famous speech of the 20th century, actually. Mm -hmm. it, is, it, is, it, is, it is recorded down as the most famous speech ever given in the 20th century. The speech is... Oh, I have a dream speech, of course. I have a dream speech. Mm -hmm. And so... A little bit of background to that speech. Uh, the night before that speech, there was a really big debate between the speechwriters of how this speech would go. So they had, a, you, know, you know, he had many people within his organization that that would help him formulate the idea and the speech. And this was a big deal because this speech would be the catalyst that would that would that would help this movement forward. Um, and 200,000 people had come to Washington to hear this speech. Mm -hmm. And so, and so the day of the speech, um, he's giving the speech and I don't know if you, have you ever, have you, have you listened to this speech? Oh, of course. Yeah. He's given the speech and in the process of giving the speech, he's, he's struggling to connect with these thousands of people. There's like this, he's speaking, he's going on script, he's struggling in this connection. And then, and then um, a famous singer, Mahalia Jackson, turns to him and says, and kind of whispers to him, tell him about the dream. Mm -hmm. So he's got this written speech, he's got this great idea, but but it's not connecting. 
And she goes, tell him about the dream. And so that's when you see this kind of pause moment. If you're ever watching, if you're ever YouTube, there's a little pause moment. Mm -hmm. And he goes completely off script. And he starts giving this, I have a dream speech. And the I have a dream speech is all about, I have this vision of what I believe can be. And it's one of the greatest speech. I mean, it is, it is a it is a connecting speech that says, I have a dream that one day this can happen. Mm-hmm. And it might not be today, but one day this can happen. You know, I posted on LinkedIn, you know, this this vision speech, this vision always had. He didn't, he didn't move forward with, I have a plan. And there's a difference. I mean, we we too often, this is we'll go back to this is a this is a leadership podcast. Okay. Leaders, you know, we 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 talk about plans and leadership. When we're leading an organization, we we sit down and we talk about here's a here's a structured plan. Here's a five point plan. Here's a those aren't the motivating things that truly inspire people. Matt, I, I I can I can I can submit a plan for your department, but I'm not sure that's going to inspire you. No, no, it, it only works if you have if you can see the finish. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Plans in themselves aren't motivating, okay? Dreams, and, you know, and being able to connect to those dreams are. So in 63, what Martin Luther King is doing is he's doing what's called dream slash vision casting. He's casting out this, I have this vision, this dream. This, this I can see this. I can see that one day this is going to happen. And leaders and CEOs and entrepreneurs and people like that, that that's what that's how their mind thinks. They see what others can't see. They they they're able to look past all the obstacles in front of them. They're able to look past all the the naysayers or the ones who don't believe. That's that is that's what separates those type of people from what we consider just every ordinary day people. Visionaries have this ability to look beyond. And what they also have is this belief in what they see. So it's not just they see it, they believe it, and they're willing to share it. Because a dream not shared is what? Oh, it's just going to die on the vine. I mean, yeah, it's, it's worthless. Yeah. A dream not shared is a worthless dream because when you have a vision or an idea, when you see something that can say, hey, I can make this better and you don't share it, you're doing a disservice to whomever you're working with and you're doing basically a disservice to the world. You know, and that's why that's why I've always said people die with dreams. The cemetery is full of them. So I know our, our first episode, one of my favorite terms that we brought up that I think is really apropos for this discussion is the promised land mentality that y- you operate knowing 
where what the finish line looks like. It can be your vision that you share with your team. It can be um, simply just where where you'd like to get to. But being able to see it and know that the promised land is there to motivate you all along the way, I find incredibly important. How do you how do you inspire leaders to be able to shift towards that way of thinking? Matt, you bring up a, um, you know, an, an interesting, you know, basically thought of the, with the promised land. Because the promised land in itself wasn't necessarily a vision because in that, on the first stage of that, they had actually kind of gone into the promised land and had reported back on what was in the promised land. So there was, mm-hmm. there was actually an account of, the greatness there. And so the mental obstacle for them wasn't about, hey, there's better on the other side. It was what we got to go through to achieve greatness. See, that's the problem with the Promised Land story. Hmm. Now, there's there's there, there's a vision that, that has to continue to be developed once they make that step. But their first step issue was, well, we know there's better over there. But there are also hurdles that we're not willing to, because we have this knowledge of these hurdles, we can't get past our own issues. And so, so when we talk about leaders that that are vision casters, they're they're people who they're casting the vision, and and as the people that, that that they're reaching out to, they're working to. To let them catch the, you know, let them catch that vision, because we'll take the Martin Luther King story. Because he, he, you fast forward, he didn't die; he died not that many years later. Mm-hmm. And so the movement of that vision required others who would come along, catch the vision, and keep building on it. So the vision was first cast by him. The idea was cast by him. Others had to come. And, and, and grasp that. I mean, it's no different than the promised land. I mean, Moses leads up to the promised land, but he doesn't get to go in the promised land. Funny thing you say about the promised land. Do you realize that Martin Luther King's final speech was on the promised land? Didn't know that. The night before he was murdered, he gave a speech on the promised land. And in that speech, he even said, I don't know if I will be able to get there because it's, it's about going to the mountain and looking over. So, mm-hmm. so Moses was allowed to go to the mountain and look over. He gives a speech that says, I'm going to the mountain to look over. And the next day he's assassinated. Mm-hmm. Frowned, isn't it? Yeah, no kidding. But... But he had served his purpose. He had cast the dream. And 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 that vision and that dream, how's it played out since? I mean, the world is a very different place now than it was 60 years ago. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of fight, and a lot, a lot of people believing in the dream to get there. I mean, in so many different ways. The, the overall theme of uh, of the dream and the overall idea of what that can be, the overall vision of how we can be better as an overall cultural society, it's a still it's still work mm-hmm. because you never arrive at that. That that that's often sometimes a problem too. That that when you have a vision, we think okay, the vision is not a necessarily a destination point. 
You know, vision is saying, hey, I see where we can go. But it's just a building. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a point of destination that leads to the next. Mm-hmm. Now, so you know, when you look at the vision uh, that, that a leader must, you know, have. Okay, when when I started this organization, Matt, okay, that that was that started in my mind. When I when I built the first franchising business, that was me visualizing in my head what what I believed could be. And then I set out to start working on that. Then I brought others along with me at that at that time in life. Remember I talked about that, you know, with you that that first group of people, they really kind of bought into they what be- could be believed in you. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to believing in the money, they believed in the leader. Right, because at that stage there wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. So you you have to believe in the leader and you have to believe in the vision of what can be because there wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. It was an idea. And so, and so you fast forward there, I've had many different visions, many different stages of what I believe. Okay. But in that vision casting, I've also experienced not everybody catches the vision. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as a visionary, you know, a visionary can also sometimes move too fast for those people too. True. I've 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 been caught in, into that scenario where, where as a visionary, you see where you want to go, you see what you want to make happen, and you want to move there quicker. And 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 at times you can be moving at a pace that others, I mean, they're they're struggling to mm-hmm. to stay with you in pace, and it's a frustrating deal on both sides. Other times you can see the vision of where you want to go. It's like we've talked about, and you don't have the alignment of your people to go with you there. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. That's what happened in the Promised Land story too. You had a misalignment. You can't go into the promise if you were misaligned, mm-hmm. and so you have to make sure. You know, do I have people aligned? Okay, vision. Okay, is 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 you, you got the. Vision casting, you've got the mission, and does your culture align to all of it? How do you gain alignment as a leader of people uh, outside of just blind trust in their leader? What do you need to do to assure alignment and make sure you're casting vision in a in a way that incites people to follow? I think consistency matters. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you talk about blind trust, you know, in a leader, you can never look at a leader and say, uh, is this leader going to make mistakes? Every leader that I've ever known, every leader that I've ever studied had issues. Okay. I mean, every, and so, but what you got to look at as a leader is, do I really buy into who they are? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't buy into who they are, you'll never buy into what they're doing. And that, that's a fact. I mean, and I've, I found that, you know, just what we talked about, too many people are, are bought into what they're doing versus who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is, that's kind of like a, um, 
I mean, it's, it, it, we, we talk about politics, okay? We talk a lot of times about leadership, you know, politicians and stuff like that. So uh, if you use the word constituent, you know, when you, when you hear that word constituent, Matt, what comes to your mind? Well, it's not a very good bedside manner type of term, you know? You're just, well, I guess I'm somebody who's under this politician. Like they're, It should mean that they represent me. Um, and then they should be a representation of what I value in a culture and values. But I don't know. It's kind of a cold word, if you ask me. Well, constituency has a loyalty only to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And so they're only going to follow that, quote, politician slash leader to a certain level. So they're so they're. While they, they while they buy into quote the leader, their constituency is is uh, is predicated on things. So they don't really necessarily buy into to the leader. They kind of like buy into what a lot of the leader says. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, to get into politics, I mean, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like Trump. There are a lot of people who who you go back a few years ago, they they love Trump, they hate him today, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. We throw out all kinds of politicians. I mean, I every day there's some politician people love today, hate tomorrow. You know, it's just kind of like so. Constituencies are very fluid. They kind of change course all the time. So you're looking at okay, in my team, where in the culture of your team do they really buy in to what you're doing? You know, and and I and I I thought about this, man. I said, you know. When you look at an organization and they in an organization that truly buys into the vision of the visionary and the mission that plays along with it, you know, it would be easy then to go to everyone within the organization, ask them if you saw them in the grocery store, if I if someone came up to you in the grocery store, Matt, and said, Tell me about your organization. What is your mission? Mm-hmm. You would be able to respond to that pretty easy, right? I would think so. As far as the organization I'm a part of, absolutely. Well, if your vision, mission, and culture are all right, I mean, all aligned, you should be able to respond to that question pretty easily. Yeah, and I think what we've been through internally and what I've seen in organizations is can everybody – that's how you know when you've really pushed your culture and your vision down the line is when there's alignment around that. Having key leadership do it's one thing. Having it understood throughout the organization and not getting a different answer from every person is, I'd say, a metric to success there. I will, I will, um, I will admit that it's been my hardest struggle. Because even to this day, I can't tell you I've got a hundred percent commitment behind that. I think to this day, if I if I just went across the board to everyone, especially in key leadership, I think I get a a broad group of answers to that. And that to me um, is a little bit of a struggle because it isn't because there hasn't been consistent in messaging. I think there's been a I think there has been a challenge of people having that desire. And I study a lot of different organizations. I look at organizations to see, okay, what what is that cultural vision and mission? And and it's it's easier to find 
organizations that struggle with that than the ones that are very successful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say the ones that are successful are very high functioning organizations. Extremely. Yeah. Extremely. I mean, it's, we, we've said it many times over and over. You don't have to go to a Chick-fil-A and you can, you can go to the line worker at Chick-fil-A and they're on, they're going to, they're going to be able to articulate the overall overarching vision mission. You, you, you know, they're they're uh, a company that I studied years ago, Service Masters. If you went to Service Masters, um, at least I mean, years ago when I was studying them, they would be the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that there are companies out there that do a great job in doing that. It is just, it is an extremely hard, hard, hard thing to do to get that cultural buy-in. Dr. King had a lot of people who fought against him in his inner circle. So we we see kind of how the story played out, but what a lot of people don't know because of history, the, the inner fighting that took place. You know, we think that everybody just kind of came along. Mm-hmm. Did, no, it didn't, no. No, there was tons of inner fighting. Tons of inner fighting. Then you had other organizational agendas, people. I mean, so there was a lot of misalignment to to this overall idea of what this civil rights movement could look like. It wasn't like everybody was holding hands and I mean mm-hmm. it was it was a tough, tough deal. And I've learned that and I and I continue to go through that as I think through the vision, mission, and culture of our organization. I mean, I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm thinking about, you know, where I'm at it, what I need to be doing, how I need to be playing. I mean, think about my word for the year, discipline. Mm-hmm. Don't you think discipline plays a big role in how that vision, mission, and culture comes together? I mean, discipline and consistency and repetition, I guess, for lack of a better term, those are all hand in hand. You can't have... You can't have a vision make its way through the organization, through your people, through your teams, unless it's consistent, meaningful, and they see you living that life of the vision, because otherwise they're not going to buy into it. So how do you live that if, when we talk about vision, and and most people don't live a visionary life. Most people don't set their life up and say, I, I have this, this vision, that I'm going to live out of who and what I'm going to be. They just kind of, most people just go through life. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes at them, they accept. So they don't have this, I have this vision. I I can tell you, I'm not that person. I set out, I had a vision. I know what I wanted to be. I wasn't driven by, I want to make this amount of money. Mm -hmm. Because money is part of a process of if you do these things, that's just kind of comes with it. I had this vision of what I could do what I wanted my life to look like, what I wanted it to be. And I have vision building upon that vision. I have things that I want to continue to do. I mean, like I said, I'm 44. I'm not, I'm not stopping. I mean, that's, that's that whole idea of retirement. I don't, that, that, that's a man-made word. That is a word that has been made over the last hundred years. Prior to that, it never existed. Mm-hmm. That's a funny thing. That is a culturally man-made word less than 100 years actually retirement nowhere in society ever in the history 
of mankind did that word ever exist. You worked until you died. And you didn't get the two confused. I mean, you you understood. You had a life of a mission to live, work, and die, to do things, to to make your life purposeful. And that that's why statistically, the the the, the people who retired, I mean, the, the stats on people from they go from work to retirement to die, it's huge. Oh yeah, you gotta continue to have meaning or things that you're excited to get up in the morning for. Cause the second you don't have something you're excited to get up for, you're already dead. Because you have no purpose. Yeah. A, a person who wakes up with no purpose in life every day, you know, is, is, is not living. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're breathing, but they're not living. So this comes back to vision and visionary. Okay. In order for a visionary to succeed, we, we both will agree you've got to have people who come along with the vision, right? Mm-hmm. And we agree that to come along with the vision, you got to have people who buy into that vision. doesn't mean they're going to see everything because they're not going to see everything. Matter of fact, it's a painful thing being in a visionary because you see things others can't see and you're like, why can't you see that? I mean, I mean, it's, it's like you can see it, but they can't see it and you're trying to explain it to them. But, but... Mm-hmm. ultimately they do have to buy into the visionary. I mean, Matt, it's hard for you to, if you don't buy into me, you're going to struggle being here, man. Yeah, sure. I mean, people who are here in this organization, if they don't buy into me, they're ultimately not going to be here because they're going to struggle being here because I'm here. And the chances of me being gone versus you being gone are... I'd say it's a much higher chance that uh, you might stick around at your your own privately held company. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, there's a chance if I'm gone, you're gone. Yep. <laughs> so, I'd say it's solid I mean, it's, correlation there for sure. I mean, yeah. and that's where I mean, do you buy into the vision now? Now here's the thing that I, where I see the people who come along with the vision where they, where they struggle because they won't be, I mean, they, they want to buy in the vision. Cause I say, look, if you don't have a vision, find someone who has a vision. Mm-hmm. You know, so align with someone who has a vision, but then can you do this? Do you have what it takes inside yourself to serve that vision? When we talk about cultural issues into the mission is that this is where everything goes south because the battle in the culture of the vision is everyone doesn't come to the table and think they have to serve. See, everyone, candidly speaking, has to wake up and battle the issue of wanting to be served. Why? Because everyone wakes up selfish. Mm-hmm. Everyone wakes up, you know, with their own issues, and yet they're brought here to serve. But we come in wanting to be served. That's a mental battle that we all face. But when you're coming along to something that's a vision that's bigger than you, you have to be willing to serve and serve at the level you've been called to serve. I mean, and we're all called to serve at different levels, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, 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 we downplay and we think, okay, you know, the janitor has come to serve at a janitorial level, but that level matters. The line worker comes to serve at that line worker level but that level matters, doesn't it? Absolutely. The QA manager comes to serve at a quality manager level, but that level matters, right? Mm-hmm. 
The CFO comes to serve at that level, but that level matters, right? Very much. But what happens if the janitor is all of a sudden saying, well, that CFO has an office and I don't? Yeah, they're, they're, they don't understand what it means to serve would be part of it. Well, I, I think you've got a misalignment into the vision and culture and responsibility. Sure. This is where vision, culture, because they didn't buy into, wait a minute, we're part of something moving this direction. We're part of something that's going to achieve at this level. You know, we're part of something that's growing and going to the, every role matters. We just said that. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the vision, the mission, and the culture, everything matters. It, we, we, we started off talking. We started talking about sports, right? Yeah. Okay. There's a bunch of people that have to get all that equipment to whatever stadium they're going to. Right. Oh, yeah. There's a truck driver. People bring water. There's people. Staff on Did the you side. see them on TV? Do you know their names? I don't. No, you don't. But what happens if they don't do their job? I mean, yeah, uh, all of them. All the medical personnel that helped out in the games a few weeks ago. What if they weren't there ready He's to dead. serve? Yeah. He's dead. But like I go back to, there's a truck driver that has to carry all their equipment. Mm-hmm. He's not flying on the plane. He's going cross country. Every position matters to the overall vision. And so they buy into the vision. That's what great organizations have. That's what great cultures have, the vision. But there's a vision casting. This is what matters the most. It says, hey, this is where I see that we can go. This is where I see that we can believe that we can be. And it's up to that leader to cast that vision and to make sure everybody's called the vision. Sure. So on our episodes, we like to do a little segment called It's Fourth and Goal. What's your play? We saw a lot of football over the weekend, a lot of some better than others, fourth and goal type plays. What's the one key takeaway from sharing your vision with the organization that you'd like our listeners to go home with? So your fourth and goal, it's not just the play, it's the personnel in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every, every team, when you're in that, when you're in that play moment, when you're in that, I got to have it moment. It's led by you're putting in what you consider the right personnel. You're putting in those people who you see fit to make this happen. Okay. As, as, as the leader and the coach, you're leaning into these critical people. Mm -hmm. Okay. That to me, when you're, when you're in this visionary role of, of, of casting the vision and dream, and your role and your responsibility is to that mission and culture, you've got to lean into and make sure I've got the right personnel out there. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you will not score. You will not win. Number one is the team being aligned because you're all pushing the same direction. If you have one player running the opposite way, you're never going to make your way into the end zone. And that's, that's not just, I mean, it's, we we use sports. We, we now just sports, and we um, and we talk about business, but it's really about life too. Okay how how can you be how can you be a highly functional team or family or or 
any type of unit when you're not operating into that in that vision together, operating on the same page, working as a team. How, how do you how's that going to work? It won't. It won't work. We deceive ourselves in that it that it works, or or we tend to, you know, constantly play into that repetitive game of just kind of not addressing the issue of it not working, but it doesn't work. When you have misalignment to a vision, it will never, ever come to be. Mm -hmm. So, Matt, really vision and leadership, vision as a leader, comes down to what do you want to be known for? What do I want to be known for? You know, when 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 everything is settled and you know, people, you know, look back long after I'm gone, what what do I want to be known for? And the vision that I see and the vision I set out, and those who I bring into the vision will be the will be the story that's told. Mm -hmm. And so so really, I think about, you know, that from from my perspective, um, I always want to be able to think big. I'm a big thinker. And as I've gone through the journey of life, it's kind of like going back to that statement of Dr. King, that dream speech. Okay, that, 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 that dream speech was a big idea. I mean, if you really boil it down, it was a big idea, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I I like big ideas. And and I am inspired by things that are big. And as I as I continue to move forward in life and the older I get, I I want I want to be a part of of bigger ideas. And whether they're my ideas or whether I'm brought along to serve in someone else's ideas, it doesn't matter, but I am inspired by the vision of big ideas. And to do that, you have to be surrounded by other people who are inspired by big ideas. Because if you're surrounded by people who think small, you'll be small. And I just want to be small. I'm just not motivated by a small one. I'll, I'll leave it like this, Matt. I serve a God who thinks big. I mean, this, this whole thing, this whole world thing is kind of a big idea. It's kind of a big idea. Yeah. And, and, and this, this idea of, of what I could envision and what I could create and how I could do it. And, and, and that's a big idea. And if my if, if 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 my God has a big idea, and if He thinks big, then He probably looks down at Andrew and says, "If I think big, why can't you think big?" Mm -hmm. And 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 if you're going to think big, are you going to bring others along with you to think big with you? And so that's how I want to live my life. You think small, you be small. The world is your oyster. Well, if you believe it. Mm -hmm. And visionaries always believe it because they always see a way. A visionary always sees a way. Thanks for joining us today on the Uncommon CEO Podcast. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. We have video episodes on our YouTube channel and more Uncommon Wisdom on our social media. Find all our links and resources at UncommonCEOPodcast.com. For Andrew Smart and all of us here at the Uncommon CEO, Stay uncommon.